Hey y'all, welcome back to the Thursday, August 18th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. We are exactly two weeks away from the return of Tennessee football. Yeah, I'll be in Neyland this time two weeks from now. That's wild. Um, so very excited about that. Um, college football right around the corner. Um, it's just kind of wild, two weeks. Um, we got our Big Ten preview on this week's show, SEC next week. So Matt Green and I talked all things Big Ten, Big Ten West, Big Ten East, Purdue, Minnesota, uh, some Wisconsin love. Michigan can build off their season last year. If the Buckeyes are a foregone conclusion in the conference, Michigan State, could they take a step back? Uh, what can you really hope for if you're a Rutgers, Illinois fan in 2022? Uh, Scott Frost getting a lot of time in Nebraska to make a break here for him. Um, we also talked about uh, early AP poll rankings. We talked about uh, the best number 15s of all time, best number 16s of all time, too, in college football. We talked about Miles um, Brennan stepping away at LSU, Texas and some big names at the quarterback spot, I read the wide receiver spot and offensive line, and then uh, the biggest Heisman snubs of all time. So a lot of fun talking all things college football with fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green. So yeah, we got a one-parter here on today's edition of the program. As always, folks, make sure you're locked in, subscribed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever your podcasts, so you never miss an episode of this daily national show here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. If you're an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener, though, please take a second before we get started here and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps other people find the show, and it helps this very show continue to grow. You can also watch us over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. Check us out there. All that good stuff. But now... It's time. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. The full ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast with fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Good evening, sir. It is uh, good to be back talking college football as we do every week here and um oh man we're close i can taste it man you can taste it i can taste it it's palpable what does college football taste like to you Mm, it tastes like fresh cut grass Mm -hmm. and coors light okay no, I um, right now. What would you do? You know off the top of your head what kind of grass you have, what kind of turf you have in your lawn? Um, I don't. I, it's probably not Bermuda. Those are the only two I know, to be honest. Saint I don't Augustine. Know. Is it crunchy? Um, I, to be honest, I I'll, I I would be willing to bet my life that it's not Bermuda because I feel like that's okay. the, the nice, the nicer stuff mm-hmm. because it doesn't seem that nice. But it's um, you know, just got a riding lawnmower. You know, Did you? So, uh, really moving on up in this world. Yeah. John Deere? It's actually a Murray. I call it the Aaron Murray. <laughs> it's uh, red and black. Me and Tori have joked, too. We're going to try to find, gonna find a number 11 sticker, maybe a Georgia G to put on it somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it's called the Aaron Murray. You are a full on suburban dad. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Oh, my God. That is the most suburban Georgia dad I've ever heard. That's yeah, a, man, it's a good time. It's, hey, it's cutting, it's cutting the the lawn mowing time in half. Needed. There you it. go. But you were about to say something else about the turf and the the smell, the the grass, before I cut you off there. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I had anything else uh, really to add to it. 
Well, sir, how is Zeus? Maddox, are they revving up? Uh, do they have jerseys? Do you and Tori put jerseys on them during the season? Uh, we do not. They uh, they just just raw dog it. Well, that's pro- there's probably a better way to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just uh, they just go. Uh, honestly, they're usually not when we're in a collar, just around yeah. the house. They're just they really are just naked. But mm-hmm. um, but if people are they got the they got the chain collar, you know that's a uh, turnover chain. Yeah, something like that. Is Zeus ready for Zeus? The... Honestly, should have got a Zamir White jersey. I probably, I probably dropped the ball on that one, but um, I don't know if he'd rock it anyway. Well, I'm ready for his pick of the week, uh, the Zeus's uh, home dog of the week. Excuse me. <laughs> That's We're ready true. Uh, I got the graphics ready for that this fall. Um, it's gonna be a fun time. Uh, I don't know what we can do with Maddox. What can we do for Maddox, like to not leave him out? Is it just still a Zeus pick of the week? Or are we doing? Maddox, like some money Maddox type deal. I don't know. Yeah, way? something with Mad Dog. I feel like we gotta mm. we gotta throw in there. Uh, I don't know. We can we can brainstorm that. Maybe a Mad Dog upset pick of the week from yeah uh, from Maddox. Maybe. Um, Matt Green. So we have a little bit of a dispute here. In terms of how many days until college football? You say seventeen, and well, uh, sixteen. 16. Once uh, once this podcast is correct. Out. Yes. Um, but 15 today, if the, if we were just going based on when we're recording this late on a Wednesday, August 17th, which is crazy enough, uh, that it, it, we are exactly a month away from my wedding, which is crazy. Um, that, Ooh, we're only a month out. Ooh, ooh. That is, uh, very soon, very soon. Um, but it's also 15 days because the university of Tennessee, uh, prioritizes getting ahead of had a schedule here uh getting for first and foremost in a lot of people's minds and letting people watch some fun football to get them acclimated back into the college football season so they're playing on a thursday night once again um where i'll be in the building so we're actually 15 days away from tennessee back under the lights in neyland and do you recall a certain number 15 in the history of the university of tennessee mm. who may or may not have had a great moment in Athens, Georgia, not too long ago, sir. I do remember a, a good fifteen. I also saw your uh, your, your Twitter activity uh, this <laughs> afternoon to mm-hmm. to remind uh, the Georgia fans of the anniversary of uh, the, the last time that the the Vols finally beat Georgia. I know it's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a while, but um, Jacob Eason, Jawan James, Jawan Jennings. That's the name. Jawan Jennings. Jawan James was the North Gwinnett alum that went to Tennessee but yeah. uh yeah Juwan Jennings that was a uh, oh man that was a heartbreaker Lorenzo Carter I don't think he's ever played coverage in his entire career mm-hmm. at Georgia and probably not in his NFL career and they they said hey you're six six go ahead and stay in the end zone bat a ball down and Lorenzo Carter didn't appear to know how to play coverage because he was staying in the back of the end zone and I uh, can't do much back there. And uh, Jawan Jennings went up, made a play. Well, also, just if you go back and watch the end of that game, I don't know when the last time you like, like there's a lot of good side-by-sides, and I like the radio calls because, folks, if you don't remember, it's like Jacob Eason finds Riley Ridley uh, down the sideline yes. where he breaks coverage, and it's like, oh, game over. You, you just assume that's I it. I think like 12 seconds left, yeah. maybe less than 10 seconds. I'm not even sure. It was very, very little time left. And then Georgia, I believe, kicks it out of bounds. Um, well, to start with, yeah. Rico McGraw 
uh-huh. defensive back, freshman defensive back on that team, apparently ran onto the field That's celebration, was, celebration. So was without his yard, helmet yeah. on, mm-hmm. which literally everyone does like every game, every big play you see. I remember just me and my brother commenting on it like the rest of the season. It was like there was that um, that Penn State, Ohio State game may have been the same year where they like blocked the field goal and took it back for a touchdown or something like that. Penn State and they Penn State, I think, upset Ohio State that year. And it was like a huge just pandemonium. Like, and everyone's off the sideline and just do it's just going nuts. And I'm just like, Georgia's the only team that they they call stuff like this on the AJ Green excessive celebration stuff. Like, oh man, it was terrible. But yeah, so that it was the 15 yard penalty to start with. And yes. then I think you're right. I think there was something like kicking it out of bounds because. I mean, they had to run like one play to get to like midfield. Yes, it was something like that. Yeah. So it was just one of those dumb things where I remember that Tennessee threw the Hail Mary from like the Georgia 40. Like they were because Dobbs went back and was at the 50 yard line when he's back and shotgun and he's running a little bit. And y'all, you only sent three, I think, on that one. No pressure whatsoever. So Kirby doesn't put any pressure on Dobbs in that one. But. Yeah, I think it was it, it was just a weird collection of events that I mean, you won't see that very often, and I don't know if we'll see that again uh, anytime soon. But that was a one of the last big Vern calls, right? Like that was a, a big Vern uh, Lundquist call. That's probably true because that's 2016. I know the the Felipe Franks uh, Tennessee. Uh, we call it a Hail Mary, whatever you want to call it, that, that bomb to win the game, that walk-off bomb. I'm, I'm pretty – I'm almost positive that was 2017. And I know Nestler made that call. So I think you're mm-hmm. right. I think 2016 was the last year of, of Uncle Vern. And I would imagine that had to be, like, the best moment of the season in terms of college football, like, on CBS type thing. I mean, not many not many games end in Hail Marys. Like, that's that's pretty big time in a rivalry game, in a basically a rivalry game, so. The best one's still Kentucky-LSU, though. I don't know if that will ever get topped. The best... Hail Mary in. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's definitely up there. It's it's hard to beat that one for sure. That one was bonkers. That was uh, was that Guy Morris was the coach of uh, yeah at the time. That's right, Guy Morris. And that one just oh, that just had a whole other level too because the fans that were ready to rush the field and everything, and Nick Saban seemed pissed off even though LSU just won the game. <laughs> like it's pretty standard. Well, when people are listening to this on a Thursday, August eighteenth, it will be. 16 days until college yes. for most people. Matt Green, the, I've got good news, though. I've already got your number 16 right here. The Real Countdown. YouTube.com slash yes, sir. Right there. The Real Countdown. I will say, as long as we're talking Georgia-Tennessee, 16 is a strong number for uh, mm. for the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, mm. you got Isaiah McKenzie, quality uh, return Kirby man. Smart. Eggs, that's what I was going to get to. Lewis Seen, first-round pick this past year. Mm-hmm. And then Kirby Smart, I mean, the man, the myth, the legend that is uh, Georgia football at this point. So 16 is a strong one for, for the Bulldogs. But, yeah, we got to go 16. If we're going 16, best of all time, we got to go Peyton Manning. I mean, uh, I, almost, uh, I almost tried to pull a fast one on you um, because there was another Heisman Trophy candidate Heisman Trophy finalist that was a top pick in the 1998 draft. That was Ryan Leaf. Yeah. 
He was a quality 16, but uh, I'm going to have to give the edge to Peyton Manning on this one. You know what's wild, too, is I was looking at, like, biggest Heisman snubs of all time, and it is kind of wild that two of the big ones of the last 30 years were number 16s at powerhouse universities that, um, I mean, they just didn't win, and they went on to be uh, first picks, Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence. And I thought about that where I was like, how Who was the second one? Peyton and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a Heisman snub? He's a snub. What year? Hold on. Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback in football for the two years that he was at starting for Clemson. He won a national title. Well, he's starter for three years. Well, three years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But 2019, Joe Burrow had, like, the greatest season in the history of college football. 2020, I mean, Devontae Smith, I mean, he wasn't even a finalist in 2020, right? Devontae Smith, I think Najee Harris honestly had a legit claim. Mac Jones did, too, but... And then 2018, who's who's the Heisman winner? Kyler Murray? Is that 2018? So. Yeah. And so, I mean... the title in 2018. I mean... I, I, 30 was touchdowns, he a Heisman? four picks. In, 20, in 2018, Trevor Lawrence, he was like... That was, that was a clo- equivalent almost to what Stetson Bennett was this past year. Like, Trevor Lawrence was good this that year, but like... To be he clear, was be, this is he Matt was being underscore carried. W underscore Green comparing Trevor Lawrence first overall pick and one of the best college quarterbacks of all time to 2018 Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. or 2018 Clemson and 2021 Georgia Thomas. are almost are almost identical teams like mm-hmm. just absolute dominant defense number one defense in the country right. and a quarterback that just had everything around him that just did the job like he Trevor Lawrence wasn't just the best player on the team as a freshman like that team was loaded like he was really good obviously he had way more upside than someone like Stetson Bennett but they're very comparable in terms of what they were really asked to do on that team and and honestly the numbers it's like 30 touchdowns what you say like five picks Stetson was like 29 and seven or something like that this past year yeah 30 and four I mean, they're, they're pretty close, uh, all things considered. Trevor Lawrence is, obviously, I would never say Stetson Bennett's better than Trevor Lawrence, but I wouldn't call Trevor Lawrence a Heisman snub even at all. Like, I don't think any of those years he was really... Well, you don't uh, have to do snub, but the idea that, like, Peyton and Trevor, who are both, like, <laughs> just... If you ask, it, pull any college quarter or college coach at that time, like, he's the number one pick of any quarterback that particular year. And we just see so many quarterbacks win the Heisman now, and this is a Heisman award for both Peyton. And, I mean, I just think about Trevor just starting for three years and never winning. Like, that just is bonkers to me that Trevor Lawrence, who was the best college quarterback, like best college quarterback run, I think, of this last 20 years. Can we agree there? Like, he was the most dominant over a three-year stretch. Who would you take in a three-year stretch? I mean, in a three-year stretch, I guess if you word it that way, like, he was really good. Like, he was immediately good from his first game until he left. Like, he was – there was no growing pains whatsoever. That dude was just – he was the number one prospect, was the guy, and it's like, all right, he's actually just going to be the guy, and he's actually going to win us a title as a freshman. I mean, when you talk about how he did play for three straight years, because – Right off the top of my head, I'm thinking Joe Burrow and Cam Newton. Both of those really only gave you just the one amazing year. So you might have a point there. Uh, Like Justin Fields, you only got two seasons of that. Right. 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's it is. It's like a trivial thing that it's kind of crazy that a, a player that that good didn't win the Heisman. I think Deshaun Watson's three year run might be. I mean, he was really just had the two, yeah, two and a half years as the starter. But I did, like Deshaun Watson was a more like spectacular player in college than Trevor Lawrence was, in my opinion. Like I think Trevor Lawrence. As good as he was, he felt like just like a, another cog in the machine that kind of was Clemson. Like he didn't, like he, he was really good. Don't get me wrong, but it almost seemed like he almost he just kind of scratched the surface of what he really needed to do. Like Deshaun Watson, it seemed like they needed everything Deshaun Watson had to to compete at the national level. Like I feel like they weren't the same like built up team necessarily around him. Um, it wasn't, I don't think, as good for Watson as it was for Lawrence. But Lawrence was obviously a great player. It is, um, when I think of a guy who, who it's crazy to win a Heisman, the first one I think of is uh, McFadden. I feel like Darren hmm. McFadden was, was robbed. He, he should have won a Heisman at some point. He was just a straight-up baller. But uh, staying on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the topic at hand. There's no right answer here. What's that? They're like with uh, the biggest snub and stuff like that. It's just one of those things when you think about the exercises and then just the over the year, everyone can't win the award, right? Like only one yeah. guy gets to win this award. But I think for me, the thing was like the longevity where him being the starter for three years and not getting it once is just kind of just really bad luck. Like you said, with the guys who had the kind of years, like the Burrow years, where you're like, well, clearly no one's taken over Burrow that year. Yeah. But it's still like, well, <laughs> and then his junior year, he also what he missed two games with COVID yeah. that year, and they did lose a regular season game. So I mean, I don't, I guess it. But you I mean, the they still made the playoff. Like, like yeah, yeah, it wasn't him. Like you go through it. Like he was completing seventy percent of his passes that last year. Like he. But Alabama, terrible. they were just so dominant offensively. Yeah. Like just pick pick your poison. Like whichever guy you wanted to give it to, you could have made a case for for one of the Heisman that year. True. And it's also like a, a big what if is like if Jalen Waddle doesn't get hurt in the Tennessee game, he wins the Heisman probably. Yeah, on it. Like Waddle was the number one option when he and that. Devontae Smith were healthy. Like yes. that, that offense was just ridiculously loaded. Um. Well, Matt Green, uh, AP poll and coaches poll out. Um. When you look at the AP poll, because we're friends of the pod, uh, late kicks Josh Pate. We got Josh Pate's preseason top 20 as well. So uh, shout out to our guy, Josh. But um, when you looked at the AP poll, uh, outside of its um, obvious bias towards the University of Tennessee, what popped for you, Matt Green? It's funny you say that because I feel like the Tennessee thing was kind of the first thing I noticed. I was Hmm. like, Tennessee's not ranked at all? That's, That's interesting. It just seems like the type of team... That that get that create a buzz in the off season. It's gonna be kind of like kind of hyped up. Like they're an offense team. Everyone loves offense, right? It's like even if they have their flaws defensively, that just that feels like the team that gets uh, preseason hype. Um, but I'm just I'm not on the uh, on the Ole Miss bandwagon. For them to be 21 in the AP and 24 in the coaches poll, I I feel like I'm missing something. Like I just hmm. to see uh, to see Ole Miss ranked and see Tennessee not, I was kind of surprised by that. Tennessee also plays four teams in the preseason AP top 25 poll. I noticed that was something I dropped it, jotted down. Where when people are like the expectations of wins, like I mean, look at this right here. It's like four preseason top 25 teams: Georgia, 
Kentucky, Alabama, and Pitt all in the preseason top 25. Yeah, and that's uh, and that shouldn't go into them being ranked, right? Like that mm-hmm. might be like a prediction on where they'll finish because yeah. of who they of those teams they play, but. I don't necessarily think that's how you should rank them. You should rank them based on who you think is the best. And I think that's more what Josh Pate does with his with his JP poll. Um, but the other thing is, like, I think this poll shows you that no one has any idea what's going to happen in the Big 12. Yeah. Like Oklahoma at 9, Baylor at 10, Oklahoma State at 12. We're just Texas like. Texas not ranked. Yeah. Who, who knows? Well, in the, in the AP poll, they're not. Yeah. That's and then in the coaches poll, they're 18 and they got one first place vote. Do we know who voted Texas first place? What is this card really? Show yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I um I also think when I was looking at this and when you look at the AP poll too, I think I like the AP more than the coaches, but I will say the AP poll, I don't know what the case is for Notre Dame being in the top five. I think there's too many question marks. Tyler Buckner, we have not seen it yet. Like We don't know what Marcus Freeman's going to look like as a head coach yet at all and i mean they just they have a lot of question marks uh and we should probably throw notre dame in with our sec preview next week just to give them some love we'll throw in notre dame next week too but i uh i just i don't see it like a top five team preseason like there's just too many question marks of this group i don't i think they'll be good but i mean they open with ohio state like they're gonna get dropped i think they're like three touchdown dogs last time i checked like they're wow is that right they're down significantly i think it's a 20 point spread if i'm it, if i'm remembering correctly last time i checked um so they're going to get blitz most likely in that one um but i just i don't know i don't see it with notre dame they don't feel like a, a top five team i would be floored if they finish in the top five at, by this yeah year. i agree and i have a i have a good friend who's a who's a big clemson fan and he hit up our group thread the other day and said clemson at four and was kind of sh- surprised by that and i was too like first looking at it clemson at four looked weird and then i'm like i'm looking at five and six and seven and eight and i'm like well i don't know I don't necessarily know that any of those teams are better than Clemson. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of question marks in that kind of six through like 15 in the polls, honestly, that or even four through 15 in the polls that like, yeah, like I, I wouldn't like I wouldn't get on the table and argue with someone that that Clemson is better than Oklahoma or Michigan is better than Baylor. Like they're all those teams seem like they're right in there together. Like I, I, I just. We need to see these teams play, see what they got. Also, USC 14 is a joke. Like, USC at 14 is an absolute joke. Another one where we have no idea with this group. Like, a whole new roster, a whole new situation. And it's like, if you're not going to put Texas in a preseason top 25, you can't put in, uh, you cannot put in USC. USC is not preseason number 14. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I, uh, I see there people are also sleeping on the Wolf Pack. I mean, a little. I guess in terms of, I don't think sleep. Their usual 13. expectations. Yeah, I was just about to say thirteen. I guess is some respect to give NC State. Uh, but yeah, I think they could be right in there in the top ten as, as uh, right with some of those other teams. So it's well. The uh, biggest it, difference is too. If you look at Pates, is he's got Arkansas nine. They both have A and M six. He has, he's a lot higher on Michigan. Michigan four. I mean, they lost a lot on the defensive line. They lose their two big edge guys. They are running it back with Cade McNamara. We'll see. 
um, on that front, but I don't know. It seemed like everything went right for Michigan. They're not recruiting well this uh, this cycle either, but that doesn't really have any uh, issues. But they lost both coordinators. Like both their coordinators are gone. Josh Gaddis is now the OC at Miami, and then uh, their DC uh, McDonald went back to the Ravens. I just. I don't know, man. I think there's way too many question marks. I am not nearly as high on Michigan, but Penn State at preseason 10. I'm a Penn State guy. You know that. 10 still pretty high for me uh, on the pay poll. Yeah, for sure. I agree with them at Arkansas. I, I mean, 9 seems high for Arkansas too, but I think 9 is closer to where I'm seeing Arkansas than I think, what were they, 19, uh, 20 or so in the – in the AP poll, I think. They're 19 in AP, yeah. Yeah, so I think, uh, and they're 23 in the coaches. So I, uh, I, I'm i also higher on Arkansas, maybe not quite as high as Josh Pate, um, but I, I seeing Penn State in there reminded me. So I saw this stat from Brett McMurphy. So mm. over the past 29 years, uh, excluding 2011 and 2020, an unranked team has finished ranked in the top 10 every single year over the last 29 years. Mm. So who looking at the candidates of teams that are unranked, I think Penn state is definitely one of those teams. Yeah. They're Mm. definitely one of those teams I could see going from unranked. I mean, excuse me. They're uh, my number two. Yeah. They're my number two. Excuse me. So who's your number one? The little apple. The Kansas State Wildcats. We've oh, seen wow. it before with the right quarterback, with the Colin Kleins of the world, the Skyler Thompsons. Like, I picked them to win the Big 12. You remember on this pod, I put them in the Big 12 title game, and I think they're going to do it. If I'm Did you pick, pick them to win the Big 12? If I think I'm you picked Texas to win the Big 12. Or I had them losing to Texas in the Big 12 yeah, title yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, either way, if they win it, if they're in it, and they definitely win that game, they're finishing the top 10. Like, they're borderline top 10 based on my uh, preseason prediction. So give me the Wildcats uh, as a, the, my favorite top 10 finish of that group. That's bold. I would say if I'm going unranked team that could finish top 10, part of me wants to say Tennessee, but just knowing their schedule, it's like it's going to be hard to finish top 10. I think, like, like we said, Penn State, I think, is my number one. Um, and then maybe Minnesota. It's I interesting you say that because I, I was going to say, like, we're going to do our preview, and I think we're going to be on the same page about Minnesota because there's a path to them getting in the top ten. Yeah, I think so. Better than Penn State's because they're in the better division. Like, you have yeah. to account for that. And Iowa is up there with the others receiving votes, but, um, you know, we'll see about the Hawkeyes this year. Um, we can, we'll, get in, we'll get into that I'm with our Big with Ten preview. I'm done with the Hawkeyes. You're a big Until Kirk Ferentz guy, though. Love Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz loyalty to his son. We respect it. I get it. The offense is just to waste that kind of defense and to waste the great coaching that Kirk Ferentz does year in year out on this offense is just you got to adapt, man. You got to adapt. You got to bring in your Tom Monken. Enough's enough. So until yeah. I do it, I just can't do it. I, I'm just I, uh, frustrated with them. Well, and it's it, they're like um, they're a little bit of that Paul Johnson Georgia Tech thing. It's like mm. you you want to say like throw this out, this doesn't work, and mm. they go and win the Big Ten West last year. <laughs> they go ten and four. You know, it's like they were a good team last year. So I'm one can't, ball. Yeah, that's true. But they won a lot of games. You know, they were mm. what ranked number two, like. 
seven, eight weeks into the season or something last yep. year. Like, I mean, they were Georgia the Big Ten. All these uh, defensive touchdowns, like they had that crazy streak. Um, or I think, what was it? How many? Wasn't it because they had like a defensive touchdown in a certain amount of games in a row? Wasn't that what they were doing? I think, year? yeah, something like it was the, the turnovers. It was yes. just absurd how many. I think they had like four picks, like two or three games in a row. Like with the Riley, Riley Moss, was that his name? He had like, the, he was the one that had the two pick sixes in one of those early games, I that think. That sounds right. Was that the Iowa State game? I can't remember. It was one of their bigger wins um, mm. early on, but but yeah, we'll uh, but we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the Hawkeyes when we when we jump into the the Big Ten preview. There you go. Uh, Miles Brennan walked away from football this week. Matt Green, after being informed that he was not going to be the starting quarterback at uh, LSU this fall, so it's down to Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels, the uh, transfer from Arizona State. Miles Brennan's been there a long time, and there were rumblings that he was not uh, going to win that job months ago, but Kelly got him out of the portal because I think Brennan went in the portal early on, and uh, he came out, so. and he's now walking away from football, and that'll, that'll do it. Long career, didn't go the way he wanted it to go in Baton Rouge in the end, but hey, man, he was not going to be an NFL guy or anything like that, but... It is kind of wild, though. The wild, wild, like you would still, if you're Brian Kelly, it would be nice to still have him in the quarterback room just in case, because there are no guarantees with Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels. That's for sure. No, not at all, and uh, no guarantees with Miles Brennan by any means. Just a lot of injuries, but I felt like he had some talent. So I, um, I was kind of, I was thinking he had a chance to win that job, and he, you know, I feel like he could still be. Uh, you know, in the upper half of the SEC in terms of quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, if if these other guys are just legitimately beating him out and that's why he's he's just like, I don't want to be third string and I'm just going to bounce, then maybe that's a good sign for what LSU has in the quarterback room. Because I think that's – I mean, we don't know exactly – uh, what LSU has uh, on this team, it's obviously been a rough couple years, but we just know typically the kind of talent that LSU always gets. And if, if Jaden Daniels or, or Nussmeyer can be, you know, solid quarterback, then LSU can definitely be a contender. We just know they always have talent. Did you see what Darren Ravel tweeted about this after it happened? No, I didn't. Okay. He uh, obviously uh, did this did not go well, uh, but he, mm. he tweeted, he quote tweeted the announcement and said, quote, Miles Brennan signed NIL deals with Raising Canes, Smoothie Keen, Game Coin, Small Sliders, and Hollingsford Richards Ford. Uh, he didn't play a single game since signing, but because NIL deals can't be based on performance, he keeps all the money. Yeah, that's called doing a good job by Miles Brennan. Shout out <laughs> to Miles Brennan for doing that. It's like he didn't plan on that. It, it, framing it is like he stole money, basically from all these companies for locking them into NIL deals. This was his, not, this is his big plan. Yeah, like he was just going <laughs> to rake in all this money. Like, what a weird tweet to just try and dunk on a kid for signing NIL deals. Do you think he wanted to not play football and be the starting quarterback? No, the plan was for him to be the starting quarterback and have the NIL deals. Like, that's the whole plan. What a dumb tweet. Yeah, ter- terrible take. Like, just bad take, but what can you, what can you do when it comes to Ravel? Last thing before we get into our speaking of raising canes, mm-hmm. Gwinnett County is getting a raising canes. We're getting one in a mall of Georgia, like in the mall or around it. Around the mall, okay. And that doesn't do anything for you, raising canes. 
There's a Raising Cane's here in Knoxville. Um, I just people, people hype it up. They do. I'm just for me. I mean, I'm a Chick Fil A loyalist. Don't get me wrong. Like it's still just it's hard for me to go away from Chick Fil A when it comes to chicken. Um, Zaxby's was always like the fiance hates Zaxby's, but I uh, I've always mm. been a big Zach snack meal guy. Like it's just you can't go wrong. A big Zach snack meal. I'm a Zaxby's guy. That was my first love. Like that's Tori's you know not a big Zaxby's fan either. And we got a Zach. It's like the closest restaurant to us. It's like legit, like two minutes away. I feel like there's a Zaxby's on every corner of Gwinnett County. <laughs> like there that might are a be lot true. of Zaxby's in uh, Gwinnett County. I seem to recall. Gotta um, get them out there. We also got a Huey Magoo's. Never even heard of it. Never it tried it, but just new restaurant just came. Is it up. chicken? It's supposed to be like chicken tenders, apparently. I'm not Huey, going to Huey, Huey Magoo's. I, I feel like I should try it out, but the name, yeah, the name throws me off. I don't know about that, Matt. Report back and let us know. Uh, yeah, how well, your we'll see. After that. I'll let you know if I give it a shot. I don't think Tori's going to be on board with it. Um, well, Tori actually okay. called it Huey Mangoes when they first built it, <laughs> and so that's what she calls it every time. <laughs> so it's kind of a running joke for us. There you go. Um... Texas has had a rough week, man. Not only did they lose their 95% odds recruit. I don't know. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? Ricky Gibson not choosing the dogs this week, this past week, Matt Green, the corner from Alabama. I did. Four-star. He commits to Tennessee, and people are like, okay, well, Christian Conyer, number one corner, number one player out of the state of Kentucky. He's already committed to the Vols. Um, that's probably it, right? Just two lockdown corners in this class are done. Jordan Matthews comes into the fold, who everyone had written off the Tennessee Volunteers. No crystal ball. The ranking was in Texas, Texas, Texas. He visited Texas five times. Visited Tennessee once. Boom! The Baton Rouge kid picks the Tennessee Volunteers. So now you have Jalen Ramsey 2.0 walking in the building and Mr. <laughs> Pressman. Jordan Matthews, you got oh, Christian wow. Conyer, best player in the state of Kentucky. You got Chan Davian Bradley, the best player in Missouri on the defensive side of the ball. This class, it's already headlined by Nico Ia Maliava, an all-time great 2023 class for the Tennessee Volunteers as they're right there at that top 10 mark in the 247 team recruiting rankings. Matt Green, so this is all to say, rough week for Texas. And it's good we got reasonable expectations about this uh, recruiting class. <laughs> here's the thing, and this is what I tell people. It's not that all these guys are going to stay, and you know this as a Georgia guy. The cream rises to the top. Like You want the competition, so you figure out who of the four and five stars are the ones you keep and the ones that are just like, mm, the star rating doesn't actually match what their production is going to be like. So you have the option. You have the competition to figure out who's real and who's not. That's how the Alabama's like, Saban's never worried about the guys transferring out. He doesn't care. Like, that's fine. Like, it doesn't matter who transfers out. He knows that he's going to be okay because he's going to recruit the replacements and the guys who he actually wants are going to be on the field. That's the whole thing about recruiting. So people who are getting attached to these guys, it's like, hey, well, some of these guys are going to leave. Like, that's just how this works, especially with the modern-day portal. Like, you're not keeping all these guys. The hope is you keep the best ones and the ones that are actually – are worthwhile and all that good stuff. Or you could be like Georgia, where you somehow make it the three-star, Lab McConkeys of the world, just out-rep uh, the Jermaine Burton so that Burton goes uh, elsewhere to your rival. Like, some things like that can happen. I will say, for as far as Georgia recruiting goes, they signed so many fours and five-stars, but 
it seems like every three star that Georgia signs is is a star like it hmm. Jordan Davis or Eric Stokes or Aladdin McConkey. He's obviously not on the same level as some of those as those other two. But I mean, they just they seem to hit so much like the Solomon Kenleys of, of the hmm. world, like just so many guys that are just I don't know. It seems like the, the five stars they bring in are good. And then the three stars they bring in are good. At this point, I just I just trust Kirby's evaluation. That's fair. Uh, but Isaiah Nair, the big recruit transfer who Tennessee thought they were getting, he tore his ACL, so he's out for the year. They lose an important offensive lineman for the year uh, at Texas. So there's a lot of their backup running back, I think, is hobbled. He might be out for the year, if I'm remembering correctly. Um but Texas is in a world of hurt, man. Like, not the best start. So, yeah, Junior and Gulai, uh, they both had uh, season-ending injury, injuries, both starters on uh, the offense for Texas. But, man, that is uh, not not the best start uh, to this big-time year in, uh, in um, Austin for the Horns. No, definitely not. And Isaiah Nair, he was a he was a big one coming out of the portal. I know yep. you guys thought you were going to get him, but um, yeah, he he had a really good year at Wyoming, so that's that's devastating. And um, you know, we'll see what Texas. You know, they have a lot of hype coming in this year, so not the way He's you want to be a part of that. That's really all you want to do for this fall camp, right? You just want to get through it without uh, without injuries. So it's that's that's a tough break for sure. Well, Matt Green, we're down to two conferences in our season preview series, sir. We've got the Big Ten tonight. Um, where do you want to start, man? Well, we are going to start in the Big Ten East, and okay. we're going to do this alphabetically. Um, and we're going to start with the Indiana Hoosiers. Mm. And the over-under is four and a half on Indiana coming into this year. And uh, I, I, I I struggle looking at Indiana because, they, like, they bring in Connor Bazelak and, like, yeah, like, you know, you're excited to get a transfer from the SEC, but he wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire uh, at Missouri. So... I'm not sure how good they're going to be offensively. Like Tom Allen, you know, he's a good coach. Two and ten is just, I don't know. We just haven't seen that from Indiana. Like that's the first year that he has it, that he's won, what, less than five games? Mm-hmm. Um, so at four and a half, I, I, looking at their schedule, it's not brutal. Like at Cincinnati, I think is probably a loss. Like Western Kentucky is maybe not an automatic win, but um, – are I we think they at could the same schedule. Matt Green, Michigan at home's a loss. At Nebraska's a loss. I mean, Penn State sure. at home's a loss. At Buckeyes, a loss. At East Lansing's a loss. Purdue at home's a loss. No, there's a lot of losses on this schedule, but four and a half isn't that much. Hit the under. Go ahead and do it, Matt Green. Lock it in for me. Under. This feels like three and Look, nine. Hold on. Let's let's find let's find look, but like just go through the schedule though. Right. They got a Friday night with Illinois to start the season. That place is going to be raucous. <laughs> raucous atmosphere. They're going to steal one week one. Mm-hmm. Then Idaho and Western Kentucky, they can start 3-0. Then they got to win, find two games to, to win the rest of the way. I don't see them. Where is they it? Got Maryland at, at Rutgers. Home? They got Maryland at home. They got Purdue at home in the season. 
I think um, I'm just gonna trust Tom Allen to it, get this team. Time? Like, what are we doing here? I'm getting. I think this team's getting to five wins. They're not gonna be a good team. Five? But I'm giving them five wins. I'm going over the four and a half. You are a wild man, sir. These late night pods, they're not good for you, <laughs> Matt Green. You're buying some Hoosier Kool Aid. What in the not world? Five wins with this schedule? You're a wild man. I just feel like they're better than two and ten. Like, Tom Allen, he's just been a consistent coach in oh, his time God. at Indiana, and I think he's going to right the ship. I what think, did they uh, do last year, Matt Green? But I know, and that's valid. They went two and ten last year, but that's what I'm saying. They were six and two the year before that, eight and five before that, a couple five and seven seasons. Oh I think they're going to bounce back. I think, uh, I think they're better than two and ten. So, not the, they're not going to a bowl game. Still going to give them five and seven, but I think they can. Uh, I think they can sneak up and catch somebody. It's probably not great that Basilek hasn't separated himself at this point to be named Q, Q, uh, QB one over Jack Tuttle. Uh, that's probably a concern. Also a concern is Indiana was a hundred and twenty third in the country in scoring offense this past year. It's not good. One twenty three. That's Vanderbilt Northwestern territory, sir. Hit the under. I don't see it on the. I don't see this roster looking better in that regard. This is a rough schedule for me. This is. This no, is it is a rough nine. schedule. I think Tom Allen, like he's an Indiana guy. This is a really tough job. Like Indiana is a really hard job to win for football, um, and it's not a great time if you want to get in the. Is this a football or basketball school debate? If you're at a university, those aren't really going well at the moment. <laughs> so I'm sure that's not something that the Indiana University wants to have is their basketball coach uh, getting a feud with. Uh, Tom Allen about, uh, hey, uh, this is a basketball school. I don't know why you're complaining about resource and everything else. That people come here for Hoosier mania basketball team. So do we, can we time out and just go to the Kentucky Wildcats real quick? And What's the whole story here? Like that Calipari just wants new nice facilities and he's and he's just saying, "Why aren't you giving me what we want? What I want? We're a football, we're a basketball school. Is that yeah?" The he wants a new it? practice facility. Like that's it. Like he just wants a new practice facility, and he's like, "Look, this is the best. Like that's our thing. It's like Kentucky basketball, and it's like, yeah, we're putting all this emphasis on Kentucky football, and it's like I want a practice facility. Like I want a new one, and I think there are problems with it, and it's kind of old for like it's not." the cream of the crop right like that's the whole thing is like kentucky should be the best basketball facilities in the country right and that's his main point it's like we're a basketball school we won we're second all time in college basketball titles like just behind ucla 11 to 8 like i've won a national championship in the last decade i've been to countless final fours i'm just a I countless out, first round draft picks. yeah like it's just <laughs> you can win national titles in Kentucky at Kentucky for basketball. Kentucky I'll be honest. Football cannot win a national title. There's no path. Like, and that's what he was saying. And you just don't, he said the quiet part out loud, which is that like, yeah, you can invest all you want in Kentucky where you're at in a recruiting spot. Like the talent in Kentucky is just never going to be good enough to win a national title. You will never be able to beat Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio state, Clemson, in like a month and a half time span like there's just that is not literally possible at kentucky and cal perry's like dude i can win a national title like i'll recruit well enough every single year to win a national title we are a brand when you hear kentucky you think basketball and that's what it will always be bear bryant left for this very reason right like he was looking around he's like nah, i'm gonna go to alabama and i'm gonna go do that like i'm gonna go to a football school there's nothing wrong with it stoops is an all-time great coach he's done an absolute awesome job but like 
Cal's not wrong. Cal wasn't wrong. And no. then there's been some people who are like, Cal's, uh, it's like, mm, because he hasn't won a title in 10 years? That's what the we're measuring college basketball where it's a 68 team tournament. That's what we're doing. Where he <laughs> what? To be fair, I mean it's it's fair to judge Calipari for only winning one national championship with all the talent they've had in his in his know, era. Man, it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard, especially just to win, to go through the NCAA tournament yes. is really difficult, and to bring a team together with just a bunch of one and dones every year is also difficult, but. It's a lot easier when there's like five top fifteen draft picks on those of those one and dones, you know. Like we've, they had some loaded rosters there, and they've gotten super close. But like that team with John Wall and Cousins uh, that lost in the Elite Eight, the Carl Anthony Towns team that lost in what the Final Four. Mm. It's like they you can understand the criticism for him not for him winning just one national championship, but. Like we said, at the end of the day, they are a basketball school. I honestly kind of felt like Mark Stoops sounded kind of lame, like getting in the Twitter conversation I was about say, the it. the quote like, tweeting and being like, look at all of our awards and the fans. Hashtag like, four straight postseason wins. Yeah, like, like get out of it. Winning the Music City Bowl. Like, cool, man. Like, Can y'all be competitive yeah. against Georgia once? Like, yeah. what are we doing? And I, I think that's what it's all about, too. Like, Georgia runs the East, and when Florida's good – they can compete with Georgia. And when mm. Tennessee's good, they can compete with Georgia. And maybe when South Carolina's good, they can compete with Georgia. It's been a maybe it's maybe that was just a Steve Spurrier thing. It's kind of been a while. But Kentucky, even in their best years, they don't even compete with Georgia. It only took like it took those those really bad Georgia teams with like Joe Cox or a team that's, you know, losing to Central Florida in the bowl game or something to lose to Kentucky. Like, mm. like the good Georgia teams don't ever really play close games with Kentucky. So you're, I think you're definitely right. Calipari just, just said the, the quiet part out loud and people got upset. Um, yeah. But, it's like you didn't have to be – you didn't have to throw the football team under the bus to get what you wanted, but he was, he was not wrong. I think it was just the go get – it's nice winning 10 games and going to bowl games. Like – that was some serious shade. That you, the one thing that was clear from that is those two do not like each other. Like for that to come out publicly and then Stoops to go back that way, that clearly behind the scenes, those two do not get along whatsoever. And that's probably. I mean, if you just like knowing nothing, like mm. no, only just surface level knowledge of the two of those guys, they don't seem like they would be friends. Right. Like they just seem like complete the antithesis of each other when it comes to the coaching uh, hierarchy. I would agree. Which naturally uh, brings us back to which Big Ten school, Matt Green? Let's get it back to another basketball school. Mm. Um, we're going with the Maryland Terrapins. Six, mm. six and a half is the over-under on Maryland. And um, I feel like Maryland's a team that you like this year. Why do you think I like them? You're, big, uh, you're a big baby Tua guy. Or maybe you just like saying baby to a... <laughs> he probably hates that. Um, I'm sure he does. Here's the thing about Maryland. And six and a half just feels like... Does it feel like to you that that's just going to be the line for them every year forever? Where it's always going to be around six and a half for Maryland where... I think it was Bud Elliott. And they who, won seven last year, right? And that's right there at the six and a half where it's like yeah. right over. They just hit the over. You can't win a tight like the Big Ten title at Maryland right like that was something that Bud Elliott said it's like you took the check to leave the ACC like you look at who's winning the ACC every year and all just the craziness in the coastal division of like who might represent it's like Maryland football like with Loxley and the way he's recruited and everything else if they had stayed in the ACC 
there's been a path for them to be one of the best programs in the ACC for the last decade. Like, there would have been a path for them. Um, but they took the check. And now they cannot compete against Ohio State, the Michigans, the Penn States, um, even Michigan State now, uh, with the way Mel Tucker's moving that program. I just look at this and I'm like, what is progress? Like, what what should we expect from you, uh, from Maryland that you win seven games and the next year it's like, even with Baby Tua, who's one of the best quarterbacks in this country right now, and a great passing offense, all that's true. But, like, what – I mean, what is success? Like, is it another seven-win year? Like, what should Maryland fans want here, right? Like, you were number what? Let me pull it up. Yeah, four in scoring offense this past year in the Big Ten behind Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. But, like, six and a half, seven feels right. And I just feel like that's what we're going to talk about every year on this podcast where it's like – is it seven or six this year for the Maryland Terrapins? Yeah. Like, it's just never going to change. Well, and from the West this year, they get they get Purdue at home, and they get Northwestern at home, and they go at Wisconsin. And mm. so they just get their typical gauntlet in the, in the Big Ten East. And then to get at Wisconsin is not, is not helping any matters. Um, I think at a conference, I think they should go 3-0 this year. Uh, Buffalo, SMU, and at Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like it feels like another 6-6 six and six year. Um, I feel like the That's offense could like be me. really good, but um, I'm going to go under. That's the thing is they have those three-game spats, right, where I just don't see how it's on a three-game losing streak where they get at Michigan, Michigan State at home, at Maryland. Brutal. And then later on you get at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Ohio State at home. I just those are six losses, and I just I don't see the over. I'm going under. I'm going to agree with you on that one. And then we got the uh, Michigan Wolverines at nine and a half. This is the di- most difficult. Was this your most difficult to figure out? Um, I think so because I can see ten wins on this schedule, but there's also. Like, they're not going to be as dominant defensively, I don't think, this year. And they mm. replacing the coordinators, that's that's not nothing. That's something you have to worry about. And we, we like, I feel like we all want to see J.J. McCarthy. But, like, I don't know that J.J. McCarthy is, like, the answer by any means. And and they didn't have bad quarterback play last year. I feel like their, their passing game was capable. You know, they, they just they tended to run the ball because they had two really good backs. So... I feel like it's it's hard to find necessarily a third loss because you look at their schedule. I think at Iowa is always a tricky game for everybody, and at Ohio State to end the season, you got some. And at Indiana, like at Rutgers, like I wouldn't worry too much about those. So you got Penn State, Maryland, and Nebraska, Michigan State are are the the big games all at home. Like those are all winnable games. I don't know that they're like a solid enough team to just expect them to win all the games they should win. Like they seem that they could get tripped up and that could be where Iowa is. But at the end of the day, I, I, I can see them going 10 and two and like, they're not going to be Ohio state. I think Iowa is probably the best candidate for that second loss, or I guess it would be the first loss in the season. So I, I am going to go over, but it wasn't an easy over for me. I think the loss is actually not to uh, Iowa on the road. I think they beat Iowa on the road. I think it's either Penn State at home or Michigan State uh, at home. They get a bye in between those, which is nice, but I, I could see one of those two going awry at home. That's true. Uh, is, I don't. 
he is 0-2 against Mel Tucker so far. That's true. Um, but, but when you look at the schedule, like, this is a nice non-conference slate, like you said. You get a lot of your big games at home. You get Penn State at home. You get Michigan State at home. You get Nebraska at home. Like, that's nice that Ohio State's your only big real road test on uh, your Big Ten schedule. So, for me, this looks like you said I see 10 wins on the schedule. But I have something else that, that uh, might surprise you, Matt Green. This Give is something me. that I think needs to come up with when we talk about J.J. McCarthy and Kate McNamara. And this is something I was thinking about where I'm like, because I'm sure Michigan fans are going in this year and they're like, fuck, man. Like, Kate again. Like, we know, like, the ceiling. Like, the Georgia game is your last memory of Michigan football. We were like, we had this awesome run. We finally beat Ohio State. It was an awesome game. We out-physicaled them. It was fun. We had that uh, halftime scuffle or pregame. I don't even remember which one it was where we're coming out of the tunnel and just getting in their face and being like, we run this rivalry now. You feel like you turn the corner. Jim Harbaugh doesn't go back to the NFL. Dude, when you look at this offense, it was run, run, run. I look at it, and so when people are worried about like JJ McCarthy being in there, and I'm like, have you? Did you watch this offense last year? This was a ground. This was mid- Wisconsin. This was prime Wisconsin. I looked it up. Yeah, they were number one in yards per carry last year in the Big Ten. They were number one in rushing offense. They were number one in rushing touchdowns, and it wasn't particularly close. I wonder if it doesn't even matter who's at quarterback, if that's how they're going to use that quarterback. So people are like, oh, I want J.J. the five-star. It's like, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh and this group want to run that kind of offense. I think they want to be ground first. They want to be a Blake Corum first team. I think they want to beat you and pulverize you on the ground and hope that they don't have to use Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy in a way that they have to go just ball out and experiment and freestyle and win them a football game come the playoff time. I That's how I see it. I think 2021 Michigan gives me a lot of 2017 Clemson vibes. Mm. How so? Do you recall who Clemson's quarterback was in 2017? Kelly Bryant? That is correct. And... Every I feel like Kelly Bryant, I got into so many Twitter conversations comparing Kelly Bryant to Jake Fromm. Mm. Like, that's why Justin Fields should have started over Jake Fromm. Look at what Clemson did. They started mm. Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant, that sort of thing. But what everyone left out was that Jake Fromm actually played really well, and mm. Kelly Bryant was just a mediocre quarterback. And most importantly, when Jake Fromm was George's quarterback as a freshman, like you, you were a busted coverage away from winning a national championship. So there was no reason to think you couldn't win a national championship with Jake Fromm had things not bounced a different way. But Clemson had the fortune, honestly, of just getting absolutely manhandled by Alabama in the in the semifinals in 2017. So there's no well, you know, if this if this happened, you know, maybe we could have beaten out. It was like no. This team is good, and it has a clear ceiling with Kelly Bryant as the quarterback. There's just mm. we're not going to get past one of the big time teams. We might as well throw the freshman in there and see what he could do, especially a freshman as big time as Trevor Lawrence was. So you look at what they had in the passing game. What was it? Ten touchdowns, like three picks or something. Cade McNamara threw last year. Like didn't turn the ball over, but just had. You know, very little impact in the passing game. For this to be as dominant of a running game as it was, if you can... these nine picks total for the offense, but I don't know how many of those were Cade. McNamara, I think, was only like 11 or 11 or 12. You looking okay, it up right I guess now? JJ got like close to 10. 
So um, you have to look that up for me. But yeah. So if if you can get an impact player out of your quarterback, you know maybe the the turnover free guy is is all you really need to do. So I feel like just for that purpose, like you probably throw JJ McCarthy in there because, you know, if yeah, he can probably come in there and manage the game and go. 10 touchdowns, 10, two picks or something, and maybe he's actually a game changer that can open things up and Michigan ceiling is is higher than we previously realized. So I think, like you said, I, with this regular season schedule, I think they can win 10 games with either quarterback, but I think there's a chance that they're a dark horse playoff contender if McCarthy can come in there and actually be a game changer. I have a take for you. Hit me. People are talking about Braylon out a lot. We'll get to Wisconsin. We talk about Heisman Dark Horses. I think Blake Quorum's a Heisman Dark Horse. I think I mean, he has a real shot of getting to getting to New York. He's a dynamic playmaker for sure. I uh can he be the can he be the guy that carries the load? Like he was the number two back with, with Haskins last year. Mm-hmm. Like well he he missed a I know a game or two with injury, I think, last year. So it's some guys can be that, you know, TDs, kind of... though, last year. 14 He had yards. 20 TDs? Yes. No, he didn't have 20 TDs. Uh, Rush for... I'm looking at... Haskins had 20 TDs. Corum uh, had 11. Why I'm say, looking why at it now. Why does the Michigan site say that he had 20? Rush for 1,400 yards and added 280 receiving yards to go along with 20 touchdowns as a junior. That might be total. Rushing and receiving? Um... That could be it. Um, yeah, he only had like a 200, 141 yards uh, rushing. So he was he was at or receiving. I mean, he's at nine hundred and fifty mm. yards. Like those are basically Haskins numbers: thirteen twenty-seven yeah. and and twenty touchdowns. He got two hundred and seventy carries last year. Like they yeah. were absolutely feeding the ground game last year. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I just could see it with him. Um, but yeah, I'm looking. Uh, 11 touchdowns, one receiving. Um, but yeah, almost six yards to carry. And then 2020 as a freshman, 14 yards to carry is only 26 attempts. But um, I don't know. I, I would just, if you're wondering, like, oh, JD McCarthy, K. McNamara, it's like, you're looking at the wrong guy, the next Aiden Hutchins type. I'm like, Blake Corum is probably my favorite Michigan next Heisman Dark Horse. The next Mike Hart. Strong Mike Hart vibes. <laughs> I, he feels more dynamic than uh, mm. than Mike Hart, but also Donovan Edwards. I mean, yeah. this guy was a five star running back coming out of high school too, and he made a difference as that third running back. Honestly, kind of like a little DeAndre Swift mm. uh, behind Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb was kind of his impact last year. But they're so, building like Georgia, right? Like Michigan's trying to do what Kirby's doing a little bit. They they do kind of have that same type of identity, but you're still. As as limited as Georgia's offense has been at times, like the quarterback, the starting quarterback's throwing well over fifteen touchdown passes, you know. So I think well, you got to get more like, out of the passing game. I mean, but Georgia doesn't. Georgia's RBU, like they're not wide receiver. You, if you're a wide receiver, you shouldn't go to Georgia. I think the last, but even Jake Fromm is throwing twenty five, thirty touchdowns. Stetson had like twenty nine this past year. Like even even Georgia's throwing for a lot more than just fifteen touchdown passes. But I mean, they're targeting tight ends. They're targeting receiver or the running backs. Like they love hitting Swift and Cook and guys like that out of the backfield. Like there was a lot of wheel routes and a lot of swing stuff. Like. I think the last thousand yard Georgia receiver was who? AJ Green? There's only one ever. 
or Terrence Edwards maybe Terrence Edwards yeah that's the only one AJ I think got like 900 plus twice but uh yeah but now but if you look at it you go through the guys and you're like Georgia doesn't really put out first round court like Pickens snuck in there but like and Pickens would have been a first rounder had he been had he been healthy and everything I think he was that actual like elite talent but yeah, he's the first one since AJ Green that's actually been a true like this guy's going to be a stud NFL wide receiver. Like, and it hasn't they mattered. Just, they put out a lot of you know Tavares Kings and, mm-hmm. and Malcolm Mitchells and you know Michael Hardman is honestly probably one of the more big time ones and he's a yeah he's nice he's player. Fine. Yeah, he's like second. I think he was late second round or so. So it's like a lot of that's probably based on just the ridiculous speed and the upside, but. Yeah, they they haven't been the but that's what I'm saying too. Like Georgia hasn't been the the passing like they they've been a highly criticized team in terms of 21st century offense. And I feel like even their the passing game has been much better than than Michigan's has been. So they Michigan has to take a, a step forward in that in that regard. But in terms of what you're saying, yeah, like in ter- building with defense and and running the ball, playing physical, they're they're definitely built that same way. So what are you Where saying? Are going? You're, you're going over or under? Nine and a it half. It was nine and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going over. You're going over as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, staying in, I don't know the nickname for Michigan. I started to, I started to say, the, the land of a thousand lakes is Minnesota, right? So I don't even know what Michigan, I don't know what they're, uh, what they're the Wolverine State. I don't know. Um, Michigan question, State know. is eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Which coming off an eleven win season to be eight and a half the very next year, Michigan State's a hard team to read uh, for me personally. So just looking at the schedule at Washington, I think is a, a tough game out of conference. Um, they also get at Maryland, at Michigan, at Illinois, at Penn State, and then they have Ohio State and, and Wisconsin both at home. Like there's a and Minnesota at home. Like, they, they don't really avoid anybody. I think Wisconsin and Minnesota, those might be the two best teams in the, the Big Ten West this year. So to have to go through that gauntlet of the East and also get those two from the West, as well as Washington out of conference, like, they're not a world beater by any means, but that's not an easy game going across the country uh, in prime time. So seeing eight and a half that just seems eight wins seems like the best case scenario looking at the schedule so i don't even know if they get to eight they feel like more of a seven and five but but eight and four at best so i don't i don't know about michigan state this year i'm going under at washington it's going to be interesting early i don't know what to make of washington yet with kaylin DeBoer. um we'll see what that if michael Penix jr is healthy well that will probably be a fun game but like you said you get Minnesota and Wisconsin in the West, and that's not a good draw because I think those are going to be the two best teams in the West this year. Um, you end that on the road at Penn State. Don't like that. You have to go to, to Michigan. You get Ohio State, obviously. But I see, like, four or five losses and what is eight and a half, right? Yeah. This feels like an eight-win team to me. I, I look at the schedule. But I, you know what's also weird about the Mel Tucker era so far, Matt Green? What's that? I got something for you. They were 54th in scoring defense this past year. You go through the defensive numbers for those Spartans this past year. The reason that they were good is because the offense blew up. Kenneth Walker, Heisman-type guy. You go through it. It wasn't because of the defense. It was because of the offense. Like, the no, offense that's true. Electric. I think they were like the worst passing defense in like all of college football last year, weren't they? 
And that's what we move past. It's like Mel Tucker's defensive guy, and this defense sucked. So I'm just curious if like they're going to be able to get away with that year over year, of uh, just relying on the offense to kind of carry the load here. And Mel Tucker's defensive first guy, and he didn't. He kind of went because he won. It didn't matter. But that's something to monitor in East Lansing is that defense. I wonder if we're going to get a Pat Narduzzi type situation <laughs> where he's like, hey. Uh, my defense sucks now, and it's because we're scoring too many freaking points. I don't care if we win 11 games. I want eight wins and some great defense. That's what I want here in East Lansing. So we're going to take the foot off the gas a little bit, and we're going to have some three and outs. That's what we're doing here in East Lansing. Hey, man, I, I'm a believer in Mel Tucker. So you gotta you got to play the hand you're dealt. They, mm. they still got Peyton Thorne. Like, he was right. solid last year. Like, I think he could – get even better so they're gonna have to replace uh kenneth walker's production well, they bring which will in be tough, their best but... running back from colorado uh broussard so he'll be in there um i i don't think they're gonna be as good i think they take a slight step back i think they're eight and four so i'm gonna get the under two agreed uh in this next one i thought about changing this spread i mm. was looking for a more up-to-date spread um ohio state buckeyes 10 and a half oh over we don't have to do this we can just move right on uh so okay okay so i thought maybe we we go off the rails with the the vegas odds yeah. what about 11 and a half is this a conversation <sighs> that's hard man 11 and a half 11 and a half. Now we, now we got an interesting conversation. So we're, we're changing this. 10 and a half isn't... We, we need to get some action on this. So 11, 11 and, and a half. half for the Buckeyes. Well, now I got to look this up. When was the last time they went undefeated in the regular season, Matt Green? Do you have this in front I of you? I think you'd have to go back. So I know eight of the last nine years, excluding the COVID year, they've won 11 games. So... Right. That's why the 11 just seemed easy. Like, 10.5 just seemed easy. Yeah, they're so doing it. At 11.5, it gets interesting. Um, I think you got to go back to Urban Meyer's first year. Oh, mm. no, um, Justin Fields. Uh, so, 2012, I think, was Urban Meyer's first year. And then 2019, the year with Fields. They went undefeated both of those seasons. Um, obviously, before losing in the playoff. But... So they've had a couple undefeated seasons. I just feel like this Ohio State team, they just feel like, I mean, obviously they, they weren't great at defensively last year. More in the first half of the year. They kind of improved as the season went on. And obviously we know about Jim Knowles, uh, the new def- defensive coordinator everything. I think they're going to pull a 2020 Bama. Mm. I think they're going to sweep the awards Best quarterback, best running back, best wide receiver in college football. Dick Walker, Bolitnikoff, Davey O'Brien. I think they're winning all three of these. Ohio State is just loaded. C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, this offense is just going to put up stupid numbers. But this is kind of who Ohio State always is. And they inexplicably get blown out by Iowa or Purdue or something. But... Just looking at the schedule, I think at Penn State and at Michigan State are probably the biggest like landmines on the schedule. Obviously, they get Wisconsin at home this year, but it's at home and Michigan at home as well. No, no, no road day, uh, road day, shoot, weekday road games. I messed up my own my own cliche there. Um, so no weekday games are like kind of tricky. Obviously, I didn't even mention Notre Dame to open the season because I just think. I think uh, the fact that the biggest games are all at home, excluding Penn State, I just I like how this schedule 
uh, shakes out for them. Um, Iowa at home as well. So I think they're going to go undefeated this year. So I'm going over on the 11 and a half. I don't like East Lansing and uh, Happy Valley both being on the red. Yeah, I could see it. I'm going to go think those under. Are the I'm going to say they ones. go 11 and 1. I think it's definitely possible. I think I think uh, 11 and a half makes it a lot more interesting now. So uh, finally some disagreement in there. Way too much agreeing there we had in the, in the Big Ten East. And this last one, I think we'll also definitely agree on this one. Penn State at seven and a half. Oh, pound the over. Just lock that one in. Yeah, yeah just, I, I agree. I think at Purdue is um, one of the trickier spots in their schedule mm. just a thursday night to open the season kind of how ohio state opened at minnesota last year like they don't really have maybe any business playing with them but like the thursday night opening of the season crowd i feel like it's just a different environment so i feel like that could be tricky and then obviously at auburn week three we know about auburn struggles but going to jordan hair like that's going to be an absolute rowdy environment as well so they could start conceivably one and two, and I think things could go south, but <clears throat> they could also start three and oh, and if they start three and oh, they're going five and oh. And at at Michigan, at That's tasty that, if that's, they're both undefeated going into that one. Oh, without a doubt. And that's really that's the toughest road game by far. Like after that, after of this first two with Purdue and Auburn. You got at Michigan, at Indiana, and at Rutgers. So Obviously, they got Ohio State at home, and, and that's going to be a, a most likely a loss. But, you know, Penn State plays with Ohio State. They seem to be the one team that every year they give Ohio State a tough game, especially in Happy Valley. So I feel like the the, the stars align. This could be a, a solid year for Penn State, and getting Ohio State at home could be kind of how Michigan, everything just kind of aligned for them last year to, to win the Big Ten East. I don't know that they're going to win the Big Ten East. Obviously, I don't think they are because I think Ohio State's going to go undefeated. But I definitely have them going over Hold seven on, and a half. You just picked them to go undefeated. That's what I'm saying. I'm obviously not picking Penn State to win oh, the okay. Big Ten East. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going over. Yeah, I think we'll learn a lot about Penn State in the Auburn Purdue games. Like we'll know pretty early on where the season's going if it could be a special one for. The Danny Lions. I mean, they have the talent, and I was going through like the defense was top notch. They lose Brent Pry to Vatek, um, but still bring back points Poindexter, who was in the running for the UBA job, and uh, did not get that one. So he's back as DC. Um, you get Mike Yurchich, who's back for year two. There's the Kirk Sriracha Bowl now uh, in uh, Happy Valley this year. Do you, do you know why I'm calling it the Kirk Sriracha Bowl? Yes. Um, who, where is he now? I read that name. I'll give you one guess where Kirk Sriracha is at this moment. And he's yeah, is, that the, is that the new Illinois? No, he's back home. He's back rowing the boat with PJ Fleck at Minnesota. Yes, yes, okay. Where was... he had the success with Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, and Tyler Johnson. Then he left to become the OC at Penn State. Didn't go well. Fired pretty early on, replaced by Mike Yurcich, Mike Yurcich, and now after a year away, he's back in Minnesota. So that and Minnesota goes on the road to Happy Valley. So Kirk Sarachable, um there, and there was some. I had circled uh, two two uh, Big Ten offensive coordinators. That was one of them. I uh, was getting them confused. Well, Penn State was number two in defense in the conference last year, um, so the defense is going to be good again. I think. 
But the reason that Penn State struggled last year is the offense, like injuries to Sean Clifford, like that horrific performance in the Iowa game where they did not have Clifford because he got hurt. And you look at the Auburn game, and you go up and down the list, and you're like, they were ninth in offense, in the scoring offense in the Big Ten this past year. So I think that's a lot more fixable. And if your defense is still right around that number two spot in the in the Big Ten, and Sean Clifford's healthy, you're going to bounce some stuff out. Like, you're going to flip some games. Like, I just think that just makes me think they're going to they're gonna win a couple more. Now, do I think they're win 10? I don't know. Like, they're going to need some luck. But they have the talent. They're in the blue chip ratio. They have guys everywhere. Sean Clifford's in year 19 with this <laughs> program. So crazier things have happened, but give me the over for the for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I, I could definitely see them flirting with 10 wins, but then getting in nine. I think they'll be the third best team. May, they could even be potentially better than Michigan this year. Um, mm. And they also bring in two five stars as well. Uh, Danny, Dennis Sutton, and uh, the five-star running back, Nick Singleton. So, mm-hmm. you know, we could see an impact from, from those, some of those true freshmen as well. Um, and keeping it moving uh, to east to Piscataway. Mm. No, is that where it is? Piscataway, New Jersey? Or that the east, right. east Brunswick? Is it East Brunswick? Now I'm getting confused, but we're going with the Rutgers. Piscataway did sound right, but um, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, they're four and a half. It is Piscataway. Okay. Um, I don't know what's in East Brunswick, but I've heard of that. that, There's New Brunswick. You're thinking of New Brunswick. Okay. Um, The Rutgers Scarlet Knights at four and a half. What are your thoughts on Rutgers? Uh, Rutgers is another one where I ask, what is a positive season? They were 120th in scoring offense this past year. The quarterback play sucked. Um, They're just, I don't, I don't know what you're going for at Rutgers. (laughs) I don't know what progress is at Rutgers. I don't know what you're looking for from this group because, man, this really was rough offensively this past year you go through it i just 114th in passing offense you go up and down the list everything i was trying to find of like what is the reason for optimism for this rutgers offense there isn't any like this offense is going to suck again matt green and i look at it and i'm like i look at the schedule look greg shiano best coach that rutgers can get but i don't it he's in he's in a slightly better version of the um clark lee zone in the sec where i just don't know when the wins are gonna really start coming like he's recruiting better uh than any of his other predecessors like the ashes of the world but like you go through the schedule man i mean open on the road at boston college is brutal um you get temple on the road that's fine they'll temple's one of the worst fbs teams this year uh, your old friend i think he's still the qb right um dewan mathis yeah is he still the qb i think he is i think you're right um you get Iowa at home, lost. At Ohio State, lost. Nebraska at home, lost. Indiana, Hold on. toss up. That's a uh, that's a weekday game, sir. Okay, that's a that's you a home game weeks. on a Friday. With Nebraska. That's not a that's not a guaranteed loss right there. Okay, at Minnesota, Michigan at home, at Michigan State, Penn State at home, at Maryland. I just I don't see it, man. I see three wins again. They're uh, they're losing five games in a row to end this season. <laughs> I think they could beat Indiana at home. Um, and then if you throw in Ohio State, that's six losses. Iowa is a seventh loss. 
Seven losses gets them the over. But at Boston College is also in there. I don't like it. I'm going to go the under. They did win five last year, but uh, I'm going to Made a bowl game at five and seven, by the way. (laughs) They didn't make a bowl game. Yeah, Yeah. they were the sub, right? (laughs) Was it the Sun Bowl or something? Gator Bowl. Gator Bowl, okay. Um, you going, you're going under as well? I'm going under, man. Okay, this is the other team. Hold on, I have I... another stat for you, Matt Green. Hit me. The last year that... Hey, how many times? This is a good one. How many times since Rutgers joined the Big Ten in 2014 have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights won six games in the regular season? Oh, man. Zero? Zero. They joined this conference in 2014 and have literally never made it to 500. We're nearing a decade, sir. You talk about taking the check. That's 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 definitely what Rutgers did. Maryland at least has some sort of. They've competed. They've made some NCAA tournaments as a basketball team. Like they've they've got some sort of brand recognition. Rutgers is program. just Rutgers just the bottom of the barrel. It's just bad, man. Like you go through it and you're like, they literally have not gotten to six wins since joining the conference is that bad that's bad man i just (laughs) sorry Rutgers fans but this sucks like you got to get out of this conference like i don't know where the six wins are coming from and greg shiano walked back in and is like bro you're not walking back in the big east you're winning eight or nine games in the big east with Rutgers. you're not doing that in the big 10 it's not happening it's not like, happening. It's just not. Like, you're not winning, like, more than... You're never winning nine games at Rutgers anymore. Although they weren't That's in the over. gutter last year. They hmm. were... They weren't in the gutter last year. They were in sixth place in the Big Ten East last year. <laughs> Indiana was at the bottom, so... They, at least they got that going for them. I mean, sure. Just... But, uh, oh, my God. So, who you got coming out of the, uh, the Big Ten East? Uh, I've got... Uh, is that it for the Big Ten East? Yeah. Oh, Ohio State. What are we talking about? That's what I figured. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the West. This is the other uh, new offensive coordinator I've circled. Going to Champaign, Illinois. Mm. we got Barry Lunny, if I'm saying his name correctly, mm-hmm. um, from UT San Antonio. Are you aware of what this guy did at UT San Antonio? Uh, I'm not. 20, well, kind of. 2019. Also, can, you just, can you stop calling him UT San Antonio? Because I was thinking about it. I'm like, who's UT San UTSA, sir. Call them the UTSA. That's the brand. UTSA is that the brand? Yeah, because it's like UTEP. What are you going to do? What is University like Texas UT El Paso? That yeah, would sound yeah. weird. Exactly. Um, I still. I think UCF people get mad when you call them Central Florida, too. That's I think, right. I guess it's a brand thing they got going yeah. on. Um, fair enough. UTSA, the Roadrunners. Yes. 2019, they were 117th in offense. Mm. Barry Lunny comes in. Year one, they're 67th in offense. And last year, 2021, they were 12th in the country in yeah, scoring they were offense. It, man. And so, Illinois, I just trust Brett Bielema. You know, more than anything, I'm a big year two guy. <laughs> Brett Bielema's in year two. I think you're going to see some improvement. And Tommy DeVito, I don't really know what to expect from Tommy Mm. DeVito, the Syracuse transfer. Um, He's a big orange and blue guy. He likes those uniforms. That's why he he didn't want to change too much. Um, Mm. But looking at Illinois' schedule, I think the four and a half is doable. 
I think you could see a slight improvement. Like Wyoming, Virginia is a tough one out of schedule or out of conference, but it is at home. You got Wyoming, Virginia, and Chattanooga uh, uh, at a conference. Then India at Indiana is also in there. It is a Friday game in Bloomington that could be tough. But they could potentially start 4-0, then at Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, probably all losses, even though Iowa and Minnesota are at home. You get Michigan State and Purdue both at home as well, but at Nebraska, at at Michigan are probably losses. But at Northwestern, that could easily be a win on the road. It's it's not the toughest schedule. Like you get you get Michigan from the from the east, but you do avoid Penn State and Ohio State. I think five and seven seems reasonable for this team. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. You're not beating my rusty right Chattanooga mocks on September 22nd. Like when the mocks come to town, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. Um, I think they lose to Virginia. I don't even think Wyoming's a slam dunk at home. Oh, really? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see on that front. Um, I just, like you said, Barry Lunny, good hire. He was a Bill guy at Arkansas. Um, or Chad Morris. Was he Chad Morris or Bill when he was there? Because he was Chad there. Morris was never at OC. Oh, you're saying he was at Arkansas? Yeah. I can't remember, to be honest. Okay. Um, either way, you look at this. They were dead last in passing in the conference this past year. They completed 51% of their passes. As someone who watched that full Illinois-Nebraska game, that is just etched into my brain for the remainder of my life. Just that absolute poop show with Sikowski and company um, who uh, another former Rutgers quarterback Arthur Sikowski um, I'm not a believer this is one of those where you're going to run into a wall because you're Illinois like outside of the Juice Williams run and a little brief brief hope Kurt Kittner is not walking out I was about to say door. Kurt Kittner you, you put some respect I want to pull up their history here. This is another history. And the over-under is what again, Matt Green? Four and a half. Four and a half. All right. Yeah. Brandon Peters they... last year. I think that was that was some of the worst quarterback play, I think, in all of college football. Do you know the last time they won more than, uh, more than let's see here, six games? What year that was? Um, are we going back to Rashard Mendenhall? Six regular season games, I should also say. Let me do the six regular season games. Like, bowl eligibility there. We're going uh, back, sir, to the 9-3 and three 2007 Ron Zook team. 2006, man. Or 2007, excuse me. They, You go up and down this list, man. They have not won 10 games since 2001. You go through it, and they have that 1-10 win year in our lifetime, Matt Green. 1-10 win season. You get through it. I see one nine-win season in our lifetime. This is a pray to God you get to six and six. Like, that is what you're trying to do in the Big Ten. I look at the schedule, man. Don't see it. Brett Bielema. It's a rough job, man. Things to coach. Don't see it. This offense was horrific last year. Maybe Lunny makes a little bit of a dent. The conference is still so much better all across the board. Hit the under. Illinois is just... It's a rough job, man. They're like Kansas without 
like actually being called Kansas football. They're the Kansas football of the Big Ten. See, I don't know. They don't feel like a joke of a program. Like they feel like they can. They can. Uh, I don't know. They feel like someone more more respectable than that. Like uh, why? I don't. I don't know. I, who am I trying to think of? Kansas more, was better than two in the country in the last fifteen years. Yeah, that was one year though. Kansas has been awful. Like They've done it. Illinois seems like they have more tradition than that. They we're it's talking about the, the it's galloping ghost here. It's uh, all fraudulent, but it's a basketball school. Great basketball tradition. Shout out to Luther Head and uh, Darren Williams. You go up down the list. D Brown, like they have some tradition there. Brad Underwood's doing a great job coaching them up. Right <laughs> Do they now. have tradition, or they just have that one team? No, I mean they've been really good. Brad Underwood's been like they I care about just, Illinois basketball. All, all the guys you named were just on that one team. <laughs> yeah, it's a memorable team, man. It's one of the best. Ever. No, that team. That team was sick um they had some hoopers i was, I was a big richard mendenhall fan he was a uh, he was bought in a spin uh and then i think he made like what like 9-11 or some of bin laden Brandon Lloyd, or something like guy yeah he was on the kurt kittner team yeah but mendenhall was on the juice williams uh team yeah. and then um and then I think he made some sort of Osama bin laden tweet and got canceled and then no one ever talked about it richard again. mendenhall <laughs> yeah I Something did. about people celebrating when Osama oh, no, we don't died. Do we don't we'll, we'll yeah, it was uh, people didn't talk about him after that. I did. Um, yeah, he, I don't know if he ever played after that. To be honest, he had a good couple years with the Steelers. But um, moving on, we got Iowa at seven and a half this year. Mm. Iowa, you were talking about who was it you were you were talking about earlier? Maryland at six and a half. That's how Iowa feels at seven and a half. Like, mm. yeah, their good teams win eight, maybe nine. Their bad teams win seven. Like they're they're right in there. Obviously, they did win ten games last year, but I um I'm just not not feeling this Iowa team. Like we were talking, we kind of alluded to earlier. Like you kind of said, wasting that defense last year. Like, statistically, they were still a really good defense. I think they were, like, 17th over in the country in total defense. But the turnovers, like, you're just not going to replicate, I think, the, the turnovers that they got last year. They had 30 takeaways. It's tied for third in the country. And it feels like, like I, what, what are they going to do better than they did last year? And you look at the schedule this year on the road, at Ohio State, at Minnesota, at Illinois, at Purdue, like I just, I don't. Like, typically, you like know what Iowa is, right? Like they want to be like that Michigan, Wisconsin football we talked about. Like play defense, run the ball. Last year, they they didn't do anything well. Like they averaged like I think three point four yards per carry. Like they didn't run the ball well at all. Now Tyler Goodson is gone to the NFL. Like I just don't really know what Iowa's gonna be. So I can't really pick them to win eight games. Like that just seems like a lot. So I'm going over. They feel like a seven and five team to me. They scored, guess how many points total against AP ranked teams in 2021, Matt Green? How many did they play? Do you know? Um, Do you have that information? I don't have that in front of me. I can probably pull it up real quick. Hold on. Well, um, you can just you can just answer. You just you just tell me. Twenty points total, offensively. Against AP ranked teams. Mm, it's not this great. This offense was horrific. But I also have another stat for you. Last time, so they go 10-2 and two in the regular season this past year, right? In 2019, 10-2 and two in the regular season. 
they had the COVID year. They started off 6-2, and two, so we don't really know what they would have done. Last time they won 10 games in the regular season. 2015. Following year, 7-5. and five in the, Or 8-5 total. 7-5 and five in regular season. Go back. 2009. 11-2. Following year, 8-5 total. You go back to 2004. 10 and 2. Following year, 7 and 5. Matt Green, you might be onto something here where they wow. have this breakthrough double digit win season and then it's like back to back to mediocrity for a little bit before they build it back up. I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. That's a quality stat right there. I have time time. You're not the only guy <laughs> here in the pod. But yeah, give me the under on the Hawkeyes. I'm not a believer right now. The quarterback situation's not played out. I don't know who's going to be under center this year for the Hawkeyes. We'll yeah. see. I guess it's Petrus, but... Four of the seven teams in the Big Ten West are uh, at seven and a half. So it's, hmm. it's going to be tough. Um, Nobody one wants of to win those, this division. One of those I think we're both uh, appear to be high on is the Golden Gophers. They're yes. at seven and a half. And like you said, um, how do you pronounce the offensive coordinator's name again? Kirk Sriracha. Sriracha. Like you said, he was the guy that Tanner Morgan had success with back in 2019 because Tanner Morgan is also in his 17th year of college football. And um, I think they can uh, maybe they can we can rekindle some of that magic that we had back in 2019. I think uh, Minnesota is a team that wants to run the ball. And I think if Tanner Morgan can look more like his 2019 self, I think this is a, a team that can make some noise. So they're in the West. So check check box one. And they don't have Ohio State and Michigan on their schedule. I think that right there gives them a solid advantage when it comes to competing in the Big Ten West. They got at Michigan State, at Illinois, at Penn State, at Nebraska, and at Wisconsin. There could be multiple losses in there. I think three, maybe even four losses among those five games, but I think they can uh, win the rest of their schedule. So I could see them winning eight and maybe even nine games. I think Minnesota should be a pretty good team this year. So I'm going to go over. I'm also going to go over, like, you hear this stuff where it's like Tanner Morgan's really enjoying being back uh, with Kirk Sriracha. It's like, that's all I needed to hear right there. It's that the the chemistry, the band is back together. Uh, many tied for, like, the defense was awesome last year. Number two on defense in the Big Ten last year. Uh, tied with Penn State. The difference, though, did you look at their who their losses were last year, Matt Green? Um, I don't have that in front of me. All right. I'm going to do a true and false for this one, and you're going to guess true or false on this. You ready? Okay. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Where'd it go? Okay. True or false? Minnesota beat Bowling Green this past year at home. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like the reason you're at, I feel like it's going to be false. They lose to, did they lose to Bowling Green? They lost to Bowling Green. Scott Leffler I had and the Bowling Green that. Falcons at home this past year. Kicked wow. Them. It's not good. Wow, they, they lost to Illinois at home. lost to Bowling Green. They finally wow. get over the hump and beat the Wisconsin Badgers. Get the axe. A few weeks prior, they lose at home to the Illinois Fighting Illini. You clean that up. You're a double-digit win team last year. 
like Minnesota was a stinky good team. They beat Nebraska, like you said. They shut out Colorado on the road. They actually give Ohio State played a with of a Ohio game. State. Yeah, you beat Purdue on the road. You beat Maryland at home. You hang with Iowa on the road. Like you just go up and down this list. Like they they were an impressive team. I don't think PJ Fleck gets enough credit for what he's built at Minnesota. And they also and lost their their star offensive player in game one of the season last year yes. as well. Give me the over, and I have the Minnesota Golden Gophers winning the Big Ten West. Ooh, I I wanted to do it. I I thought about doing it, but mm. I I did not. I didn't pull the trigger. Um, and we'll get to that. But um, moving on, the another seven and a half a seven and a half uh, over under we got in the Big Ten West is the Nebraska Cornhuskers, mm. and. They're a tough team to read. Obviously, we all we've all talked about it. The greatest three and nine team in the history of it's college football. Forget that. Um, at a conference, they have at o- or Oklahoma. They do get at home. That's just that's going to be a tough one for sure. Um, they also avoid Ohio State and Penn State, so I think mm. that's big for their schedule. But. Going through this schedule, I think they could start. They should start three and zero with Northwestern, North Dakota State, and Georgia Southern. Oklahoma is likely a loss. Starting three and one, but Indiana at home at Rutgers, that should be five wins right there. At Purdue is going to be tough. Illinois at home, that could be the sixth win. Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa to end the season. I could see this team sneaking out and winning seven games, which I think if they win seven games, I think Scott Frost should keep his job personally. I think to just show some sort of progress, you don't want to have to start over again. I could see them winning seven. I cannot see them winning more than seven. Like I think seven is the max uh, for this team. So I'm going to go under on Nebraska. You know, it's weird. You go through this and like Scott Frost has yet to win six games at uh, Nebraska, and you bring in Casey Thompson, transfer from uh, from Texas, and you hope that and that is a big upgrade. I think. Do you think that's an upgrade? We'll see. I mean, I'm pretty high on Adrian Martinez at uh, <sighs> Manhattan. Oh, you man. are high on the on the Wildcats. So we'll see. Casey Thompson was pretty up and down at Texas, um, but we'll see. A theoretical upgrade. I'm just wondering because you go through this year two for Mike Riley, Lincoln. He goes nine and four. Six and six in year one. Year two, Bo Pelini in 09. Ten and four. Year two for Bill Callahan at Nebraska. Eight and four. Year two for Frank Solich at Nebraska. Twelve and one. Go all the way back. That's a, that's a different time. <laughs> the point being, is it a different time? Or has Scott Frost gotten way too long to prove that Scott Frost? is a big-time college football coach and a Power 5 coach in Nebraska. Are we sure? Like, Bo Pelini's still out there. We've talked a lot at this podcast. Like, Bo Pelini getting run out of town was just one of the biggest mistakes in uh, Nebraska history. It really was. 20 years. I mean, the dude just won 9 and 10 games over and over again. You look at them Played for multiple conference championships. Right. And you look at this, and you're like, I don't know, man. People are like, oh, no. He moved from the Big 12 to the Big 10, and we're still doing this. Um, I don't know, man. Like, even Mike Riley, who was not a great fit, obviously not a great recruiter, and dude won nine games in year two yeah. in the Big Ten. So, 
I just think the excuses for Scott Frost, he's gotten a long time. And he's recruited really well. And it all hasn't come together. Like, if he doesn't do it this year, but I just, I'm fascinated by, like, the excuses for Scott Frost and that he's gotten a lot more. Is it because he's a Nebraska guy, the hometown kid, he went undefeated at UCF, like, that, cool, whatever, but. It's all part of it. And he's a young guy who I feel like he was once a young, like, promising coach in college football. and. You have to think, and he actually wants to be at Nebraska. Like, how often does the hotshot, young, sexy new name even want to be at Nebraska? Mm-hmm. So it's and, tough. How many wins does it take? Year one, he goes six and six at UCF. Year two, undefeated. The year two bump we talked about a lot on this podcast. We learn if you're going to make it or not in year two, and we are in year five, and it's just, <sighs> what are we doing? Still you're spinning s- our wheels here. Wait, so year one, he won six games? And you're at saying UCF. that's the most he's won? Oh, oh, that was UCF. Yeah. And then he's he yet to win six games in Nebraska. Yet to even win six. That's tough. What are we doing? What are we doing? Nebraska could do better. So it's what are you What are you thinking this year? This is at the seven and a half. Seven and a half is just wild to me. Like, I want to believe. I want to believe that they get through it. How many times do we see coaches break through in year five? When does this happen in the Power 5 level? A coach breaks through in year five after never going bowling. That's a what, good what question. What is the context for this? Like, I don't know. Of, like, we're in weird territory where most programs move on. Power 5 programs where it's like year five and we have somewhat expectations. If you're not like an Illinois type, we're like, hey, we kind of would like to uh, go bowling pretty regularly. Like, that's the bare minimum is you go bowling at Nebraska. Like, that's a fair minimum. Like, maybe not national titles, but you need to win minimum six seven games every year like that's the minimum you can't even do that once that's the yeah that's the floor for sure i just i don't know man i look at the schedule and i just i'm gonna go under because i think at some point you are who you are and i just don't think it's gonna work for for him in nebraska give me the under and he's fired yeah i think it's you so you think uh how many games do you think it takes for him to to hold on to it? Do you think seven and five he holds on to his job? No. I tend to think seven and five is enough that I think he needs maybe eight. they don't pull the trigger this year, but I think six and six I don't I don't think is enough to keep his job. Well you got a new A D in there now, right? And I'm I think he actually is like a Scott Frost guy who likes him, but I mean you go to Dublin, right? Where the Northwestern game is. Um the Oklahoma game's a big one, right? Strong Northwestern. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Fan base in Dublin. Yeah. I think they lose. I think there's a chance they... Here's when he loses his job. It's the last four. Like, the last four is where he loses it. So, I think they go over four against Minnesota say. at home, at Michigan, Wisconsin at home, at Iowa. That's it. That's when he ends. Yeah, that's, a, tough, that's a brutal November slate right there. Yeah, don't. Sorry, Husker fans. You deserve better. Jonathan Smith, hire him tomorrow. They do have the two built-in bye weeks this year, so you know mm-hmm. maybe they can uh, they can prep for each section of the season. You know who knows? I'm not Something too confident in Nebraska. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, the Northwestern Wildcats. Mm. Oh man, I I ruined my setup here. So I was supposed to ask you a trivia so pretend that i didn't just say northwestern just now 
There's a team in the Big Ten that has alternated being first place in their division and last place in their division every year since 2018. Mm. And the that would be the year cats. That would be the Northwestern Wildcats. And yes, you might have been putting that together. Last year was a last place season. The Wildcats winning the Big Ten West this year. It's it's time for them to win win the West. That it's a it's even year. So over under mm. is three and a half on Northwestern. I um just look at their schedule. Let's pull it up here. I had it pulled up out of conference. So we said they opened with Nebraska and Dublin. <clears throat> in Dublin. And then out of conference, they got Duke, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio. I think they could go 3-0 and out of conference. Is Duke coming into Evanston and getting a win? I don't Probably know if, not. I don't know if Duke's going on the road and get, getting it done. So just for that, like just steal one game in conference. Pat Fitzgerald is a quality coach. The fact that it's an even number year... <laughs> They got to win one game in conference. So I'm not basing this on a lot. Uh, they do have Ohio State uh, and Penn State from the East this year. Um, but give me the over. Give me hmm. a four-win season for the Wildcats because I think they go 3-0 and out of conference. So it's just a matter of just stealing one game in conference. I think Pat Fitzgerald's a good enough coach to, uh, to ruin somebody Saturday uh, in the fall. They ruined my Saturdays and every uh, Northwestern fan Saturdays because this offense was dead last in the Big Ten this past year. They kicked a total of six field goals the whole season, Matt Green. Six. This offense was just – is that not wild? Couldn't even get into field goal range. That's what I'm saying. Like, this offense was so bad, and I wrote about this a month ago. Stop being a coward, Pat Fitzgerald. It's time to run the air raid. It's time to run the triple. It's time to do something without the pro-style nonsense. Like the Helensky, Hunter Johnson, like let, uh, let's let get our next uh, Trevor Sycamore here. Or not Trevor Sycamore, that's a great NFL writer for PFF. Trevor uh, Simeon. Um, let's get our next guy. It's like, no. Run something crazy. Do the air raid. Do the run and gun. Run and shoot. Run the triple. The offense is not working. The offense is a disaster. It is one of the worst in college football. You go up, the scoring offense this past year, it is a joke what this offense is. You're a great defensive mind. Like, you pump out these NFL defensive linemen. You pump out these offensive linemen. Rayshon Slater, first rounder for the Chargers last year. Great player, offensive tackle. You develop guys really well. Run something fun. Get rid of this pro-style crap. Like, air rate it out or triple option. That is your choice. Or you're fired. Like, that's what I'm doing if I'm the Northwestern AD. I'm just like, love you to death, Pat. You've been great. You have a job here forever. But you're not running a pro-style offense anymore. This has got to stop. You're running the air raider. You're running the triple. Those are your choices. Tell us your, your choice. And we'll either get Paul Johnson or June Jones in the building by the end of the week. Just let us know. So, um, unfortunately for their schedule, they don't have Rutgers on the schedule this year. That was the mm. one conference win they got last year. Um, so we're moving on what do you think is more surprising, that they averaged 16.6 points per game last year? 
offensively, that's not how many they allowed. They scored (laughs) 16.6 points per game. Is that more surprising? Or is it more surprising that there was five teams that averaged less than 16.6 points per game? That was only 125th out of 132. Let me see if I can guess this. I'll be honest. I don't have the list pulled up in front of me. Oh, but I'll, I, I'll try, okay. I just saw that they were ranked that. But I'll I'm going to say Vanderbilt's on that list. I'm going to say UTEP might be on that list. Um, let me think. Who else would be on this list? FIU maybe? Let me think. Mm, who am I missing here? Uh, there's someone obvious. Uh, Let me see Vanderbilt. I said Vanderbilt. Oh, oh, I know. Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut's got to be on there. Randy Etzel is Connecticut on it. Yeah, they're one twenty nine. Vanderbilt was one twenty eight. Who else did you say? UTEP. No, UTEP's not that far down. Mm. Um, New Mexico was last at twelve point two points per game. Uh, and then Temple was at 16.3, and UMass was also at 16.3. UMass was another one I was there. Okay, UMass. So those, um, True the, or false, the defensive coordinator from a couple years ago at Michigan is now the head coach at UMass. Um, Don Brown. I assume that's true. Don Brown. Don Brown's at UMass. UMass. I didn't think I realized Who is that. the coach at UConn right now, Matt Green? Is it, is it old school dude, Randy Edsel? Fired. Do you know who it is right now? I'll give you a hint. He coached the Atlanta Falcons at one point. Is Jim Mora Jr.? It is Jim Mora Jr. Have a night, sir. Are they going to make the playoffs? Playoffs? No, that's Um, just that, sir. I know. But, um, yeah, so Northwestern, three and a half. You are going to go... Under. under on that okay yeah. this offense and then sucks. and i want them to lose like i want until you make <laughs> drastic changes this offense you don't deserve four wins the only person in america that hates pat fitzgerald incorrect great chase coach. thomas he develops really well but he's too stubborn for his own good you got to get in there as administration and be like this is this just this has to stop the fans can't take it anymore it's already cold enough can you imagine sitting through a cold ass chicago football game outside and you're watching this offense kidding me playoffs (laughs) (laughs) 16 points a game Uh, against Rutgers at home I just hope we win another game yeah what are we Um, doing um this is diddly poo is that the other one Jim (laughs) Jim Morris said um Oh, that's hilarious. All-timer. Um, the last of the seven-and-a-half over-unders uh, in the Big Ten West is the Boilermakers. Mm. So seven-and-a-half is tough looking at Purdue's schedule, but they, mm. like the Golden Gophers, pulled a solid uh, had a solid pull from the East, and they do not get Michigan or Ohio State. So, And they open with Penn State. They get a weekday road game for the Nittany Lions and you know that's a dangerous spot I've talked about the uh, the weekday games but obviously just the the opening uh, the opening night of college football it's just going to be a rowdy environment so I any other week on Penn, on Purdue's schedule I wouldn't like a win over Penn State but I think they might be able to get them week one 
Um, mm. And then their toughest ones, I think, are at Minnesota, at Maryland, at Wisconsin. But then it's like at Illinois and at Indiana are both winnable games, So as well as Iowa and Northwestern. So I could see them going 4-0 down the stretch in November. And then, I mean, on top of that, you need four more games. And at a conference with Indiana State, Syracuse, and Florida Atlantic, I think those are all wins. So I think the Boilermakers, Aiden O'Connell, they're obviously going to have to find a replacement for, uh, for David Bell. Um, as well as the game wrecker on defense. Um, I'm forgetting dude's Collapses. name. Yeah, you know what George I'm talking Collapses. about. So he's obviously going to be a tough one to replace too. But um, I kind of like Purdue. I, I think more than anything, I like their schedule. Um, I, so I think I like the over seven and a half. So I think Purdue's an eight and four team this year. Make it for Boilermakers. Need that sound from Dumb and Dumber. I always <laughs> if, think that, if that guy over there, Seabass. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, it's a great one. No, I'm just doing it on YouTube.com slash Chase Most Podcast. I was doing the, the reference, the Seabass thing. But I will say <laughs> about Purdue good road team last year. And you look at it, number three in the conference in um, scoring on the road. That was interesting to me. You go through it, so you're you're wondering like, does this travel well? Did they steal a game in the poll game? It was the record kind of a facade. Yes. Did Purdue lose to Tennessee at the I end. I remember I'm getting yes. a really big win in the bowl game. Which okay. what are you what are you referencing? I, I remember uh, a Tennessee player, uh, a certain Jalen Wright, uh, crossing the plane and was uh, that the Music City Bowl? It was. Um, okay. But you go on the road at Northwestern, win 32-14. You go on the road at. Ohio State, you have a good showing. 31 points in the road, lose 31-49, or 59. You beat Michigan State at home, 40 blast Michigan State. But you go on the road to Lincoln, beat Nebraska, 28-23. You go on the road to Iowa, beat them 24-7. I just thought it was interesting. You played Notre Dame on the road pretty well, uh, 13-27. That game was pretty close throughout. And then uh, you go on the road and blow out UConn, 49-0. So, they were a good road team. I think um, they are coached extremely well. They have one of the best coaches in Jeff Brom in the conference. I am with you. I think this division comes down to Purdue and uh, Minnesota this year in the Big Ten West. And I look at it and I go, look, man, this schedule is nice. Like at Minnesota, I think they could very much be undefeated going to the Minnesota game. And then if they lose that, they're still looking at like five and one with Nebraska at home. Give me the over. I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good about O'Connell and company hitting the over. I'd be pretty surprised if Purdue's not not the over this year. It feels like a a big time Purdue year. Yeah, I agree. And the schedule just it is very uh, it is very beneficial to them as well. Um, and last but not least, which you appear to be forgetting, uh, I'm not forgetting plays in the Big Badgers. Ten West. The Wisconsin Badgers at eight and a half. We obviously know how the struggles that this offense had uh, last year, and I'm not sure that Graham Mertz has necessarily improved, but the offense started scoring points down the stretch. I think uh, we know what Wisconsin wants to be. They want to have a great defense, and they want to run the ball. And I think they're going to be able to do that really well this year. Like, we know what their defense is year and out. I think year in, year out, I think they're the only team in the country that allowed fewer yards per game than the Georgia Bulldogs last year. So 
this defense is very good, and I feel like they have an identity more than anything uh, offensively. Looking at their schedule at a conference, they really aren't really challenged. Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico State. They do have to go at Ohio State, and other than that, from the East, they also have to go at Michigan State. I think I think they have a pretty a pretty uh, reasonable schedule. Like at Nebraska, at Northwestern, like those aren't necessarily the at Iowa could be a tough one. But I think those are all manageable games. Like I don't expect any of those teams to be better than than Wisconsin. I could see. I think Minnesota is going to be a tough one, and obviously we've talked about Purdue and Ohio State. I think those are probably the three toughest games on their schedule. Um, but I think this team can win nine games, maybe not ten, but I, I like them to win at least nine. So I'm uh, I'm taking Wisconsin on the over. I'm also taking the Badgers to to win the Big Ten West. Oh, okay. You're playing it safe, Wisconsin, Ohio State. I know. I, I, I rolled the dice on the ACC. I had to uh, like the NCAA tournament bracket. I couldn't pick too many upsets. I had to go had to go more chalk out in the Big Ten. Mm. Here's my thing about Wisconsin. Talked about Michigan a little bit at the top, right? Michigan's what Wisconsin was. They've kind of just become Wisconsin the Big Ten. Wisconsin got it taken, got snatched. Jim Harbaugh is taking over that identity. Physical, get after the quarterback, great defense, sound defense, putting dudes in the draft. Jim Leonard's great defensive mind, great, great defensive mind. What if Wisconsin just forgot who they were? It's like, no, you need Jim Sorgis under center in Wisconsin. You need the Brooks Bollinger's under center. You need to stop this Graham Mertz trying to be something you're not. Michigan knew what they were. They're like, Cade McNamara is under center. We're going to do that guy who never is going to rock the boat. The Just the easy going, hand the ball off. Will he be able to get it in Haskins and Quorum's hands? Great. That's how we're going to beat you. Get Braylon Allen in there, who might be the best player in the Big Ten this year. Maybe. Maybe the best kind I mean, of year. I mean, he had 1,200 yards as a true freshman. So That's what I'm saying. And people, Ohio State fans, we know down. how. What I'm saying yeah, is we like, know how they feed the running back. Jonathan Taylor tailback. We saw we saw him. Shout out, saw the verbal on that nickname a couple years ago. Like we we know what they do. They're <laughs> running back you. <laughs> but I never heard that. It's a it's a good one. I thought it was a good one. We know that. But Graham Mertz is still the quarterback. And until otherwise, Matt Green, tell me how many times the Wisconsin Badgers have been in the Big Ten championship game with Graham Mertz under center. Well, I mean that's a small sample size. That's what last two years. Two years, and what are they? <laughs> and what they have, are they, Mac? They have Green? not been to the Big Ten Championship the last two years. I'm noticing some uh, crossover here. Trying to be something you're not, Paul Christ. It is time to go back. You got greedy with Graham Mertz. You had something easier in Jack Cohn. Should have stuck with Jack Cohn. Just followed the script. Tried to be something you're not. I mean, Caleb Williams would have been fun. Remember when that was a real rumor for a little bit that Caleb Williams was going to actually yeah, make the jump to Wisconsin? Now I that would have been interesting. I've forgotten about that. I'm yeah, that would have been a game changer. They're just, I mean, they were number two in a, a lot of rushing stats behind Michigan. I'm like, what do they do that's better than Michigan anymore? Michigan took I mean, they played better defense. I mean, they were fourth in the country in scoring defense, first in total defense. Like, mm-hmm. th- that is a big-time defense for sure. I think... I think Graham Mertz is the reason they're not really a legitimate contender to win the Big Ten. 
Mm. But I think they can win the Big Ten West by just being who they are and just playing good defense and controlling the ball. I mean, Graham Mertz can't can be Graham throwing Mertz 11 picks. Can 60% of his passes this year? He can can't be throwing 11 picks. He can't be throwing more picks than touchdowns and then, get, and then win the Big Ten West. It's been a disaster. I just don't understand like what we're like. Sixty-one percent of his passes the year prior, six point four yards per attempt, and six point nine. Like, what are we doing? I just, I just, I don't know. I'm surprised they did not find a transfer guy. Like, uh, that's what I was going to assume was that they were going to move on and get a transfer stable dude in the building. Like, they weren't going to go for a Bo Nix or something. Caleb Williams was just, I don't know. I just I don't understand it. I don't think this goes well. But give me O'Connell, about as bad give me Tanner as, Morgan. But doesn't last year kind of feel like a really bad Wisconsin season? Like no. just in terms of what they are, like you just look at 2014 through 2017, like they're winning 10, 11, mm-hmm. 13 games, like they're good every single year. And last year felt like they were really bad. And you look up, and I mean, they went eight and four in the regular season, won their bowl game to go nine and four. I just think it's it's not necessarily like as bad as it seemed. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Wisconsin hasn't necessarily lost their identity. And I I don't know. I just I, I think that was that Penn State game. Like they they moved the ball up and down the field on Penn State, but Penn State just you know got turnovers and and made stops in the red zone and everything. So, like, you look at the games they lost last year, like, they got blasted by Notre Dame, blasted by Michigan, but, you know, lost a close game to Penn State, a close game to Minnesota. Like, I, I think they could – I think it's reasonable to think they could be the big, the best team in the, in the Big Ten West and still just not be anywhere close to Ohio State's level. Gary Anderson almost won 10 games in both seasons he was at Wisconsin. Like, it's one of those places now where you walk into 10 wins almost. Yeah. And a lot of those – it feels like a lot of those better Wisconsin teams have have kind of been – get a four like in the big 10 west in general like the years i was really good or the year wisconsin's really good is when they get to avoid michigan and ohio state on their schedule I like and the fact that, that they the fact that they don't avoid ohio state isn't isn't a great argument in terms of them over uh over who do we say minnesota and purdue yeah here's what i'll also say and it's interesting to say that they're going to be a huge loser when divisions go away like, once we get rid of the divisions in every mm. conference, I think Wisconsin's going to be a loser here. I think when they have to play more of these Big Ten East teams year over year, I don't think we're going to see the 10 wins on a conveyor belt like it's been in the past. Yeah, Penn State and Michigan State will yeah. be happy about that. They're like, we're, we're as good as you guys every year, right? Don't yes. let these Big Ten championship appearances fool you. Exactly. So, but the eight and a half, do you think they can go over the eight and a half, still not win the division? Yes, I think nine and under? three feels right for them. I'm going to go nine and three. Going over. So we got a lot of agreements here in the Big Ten, and we're saying you're saying Ohio State and the Golden Gophers. And then obviously Ohio Let State. me lock that in, and the Buckeyes win in the conference. So I went over the four and a half on Indiana, and you went under – I went over the 11 and a half we set for Ohio State. You went under. I went over the four and a half on Illinois. You went under. 
and I went over the three and a half on Northwestern and you went under. So those are the only ones we disagreed on. All the rest of them, I basically think all of the, the bad teams in the Big Ten will be slightly better than you do. There you go. That's basically the extent of our disagreement. Well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. That's all I got, man. We are uh, 16 days away, sir. 14 for those um, Tennessee fans out there listening to this on on a Thursday. What is it? Is it Ohio? Ohio. Who do you guys have? Kent State? No, getting closer. Akron? Ball State. Ball State. Ball State. State. I knew someone like that. Well, we get Akron on my wedding day, so Akron will be here too. That's what I'm thinking. I was thinking, okay, I knew it was a game like that. Yeah, it was supposed to be Army. We pulled Army. We're like, we're not doing that. I'm excited, man. The the red and black, just like we did last year in Knoxville. We're in Invade the Town on uh, on September 17th. A lot of red and black people digging me down. Downtown Knoxville watching some football at noon. I'm sure you got some red and black coming from your family, right? A lot of red and black, yeah. So I'm we'll to we'll have to find a spot to watch the game somewhere in downtown Knoxville. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited I'm sure for it. I mean, even, like, we can move around and uh, tailgate and all that kind of stuff. People will have it on. Uh, so even if you have to interact with a lot of Tennessee folk, you'll, you'll be fine, Matt Green. Well, I'll be repping my colors, sir. You better believe that. All right. Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you next week. Yes. All right, folks, that'll do it for the Thursday, August 18th, 2022 edition here on the Chase the Most Podcast and the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase the Most Podcast part of your day listen wherever and however you listen to the chase most podcast we greatly appreciate it uh if you enjoyed today's episode please 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 make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or however you get your podcast it helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow tell a friend family or co-worker about the chase most podcast why you like the show and all that good stuff read me new piece over in sports renaissance man that's me sports renaissance man.substack.com type an email become a subscriber today uh, new written content over there, sports stuff every single day on that page. Wrote about actually graduating from graduate school this fall and uh, all that here at UT. So you can read that over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. You can also watch this very program on YouTube, youtube.com slash podcast. Uh, also email the program if you'd like to get involved mailbag questions for me any of our hosts Podcast at gmail.com alright new episode tomorrow per usual look out for that all that good stuff and then high school football back is back as you're listening to this so I'll be watching some uh, East Tennessee Friday Night Lights and I cannot wait it's gonna be fun alright Uncle Derek how'd I do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.